This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. Judge limits Biden administration contact with social media firm after finding potential First Amendment violations. Secret Service finds cocaine in the White House. I wonder who it could be. And the person who got this ruling joins the show. Senator Eric Schmidt joins the show. Such a great booking for today. We are amped up, ready, revitalized, refreshed, and we're going to save America, baby. Let's go. Okay, so first off, what happened yesterday? I was putting salt on top of the meat that I was grilling outside. I was having a fantastic day. This was just a great day. Were you a parent? I'm a parent. I took my little kid. I have these little kids. You can't really do much. You don't want to blow up fireworks in their face. It's a little dangerous for the fireworks. I have a one-year-old and a two-year-old. They'd eat the fireworks lit on fire. They'd put them in their mouth. So what did I do? We went to the beach. We marched in our teeny little neighborhood Independence Day parade. I live in a patriotic neighborhood here in Tampa, Florida. We, we, a fire truck came, right? Posted all on social media. That's what we did. We went all over the place and we uh, took our photos. We uploaded them to social media to say we love this country. We're going to raise our kids to love our country. How'd we upload them to social media? Patriot Mobile, baby. Patriot Mobile made sure that we were connected even when we were on a little beach that was kind of far out of town. We made sure that we were connected all Independence Day, even though the fireworks were crack-a-lacking. Not in my children's hands, but by the time they had gone to bed, people were lighting off fireworks everywhere, and Patriot Mobile was working great. The reason why you should use Patriot Mobile is because they are... Well, Patriots, they're 100% American-owned, operated, run, and they have the best service in the country. We use them, and we go all across the country. Their activation is incredible. Get free activation today with the offer code Benny. Ask for their coverage guarantee while you're there. The offer code Benny, patriotmobile.com slash Benny. Or you can click the link in the description. Ladies and gentlemen, also clicking links. A lot of you clicked this link this weekend. We launched the Benny Brigade. Well, this weekend, I mean, we've been working on this for the better part of a year, but we launched the Benny Brigade yesterday, yesterday on Independence Day. This is how you can help keep us independent as a show. You can help keep us independent by going to the Benny Brigade link. It will be in the description. We've posted on social media. This is going to be our official members only platform for behind the scenes, exclusive content, access to our VIPs, access to us merch and swag that is really unbelievable. I cannot wait to show you what we're going to be sending all the members of the Benny Brigade. And also you'll help support us and keep us independent so that we can do this show without any strings attached, without any corporations telling us what to do or what to say. And that brings us, ladies and gentlemen, to our first story. Please join the Benny Brigade, but we don't want to be told what to say. And that's why this ruling is the best ruling we've seen, I think, in our lifetime. Now, I got to tell you, we've been racking up W's here in the courts. I've never seen a run like this. By the way, also by signing up for the Benny Brigade, you support the young conservatives and the young creators and the young talent that we have here. Uh, we have 15 people that work at our company. They're creators, they're creatives, and we don't want to have to sacrifice them on the altar of these dirty, godless leftists and their media companies. We'd rather create our own media company here. So ladies and gentlemen, again, join up for the Benny Brigade. Rolls-Royce was born in 2002. Man, he was born after 9-11. What people that were born in that era and that are like coming to uh, uh, coming to maturity in this era don't understand is how depressing every single court ruling was for the last 50 years in America. It is only now at this cultural inflection point when Republicans really got to thinking about the judiciary and how we argue legally, of course, always behind the eight ball. The left figured this out 50 years ago, always beyond the eight ball. But now we're starting to actually see victories. How depressing was it every single time the Supreme Court handed down a decision? Every single year, for years, for decades of my life, I am in my mid 30s, for decades of my life, the court handed down L after L after L to us as conservatives. And now, finally, 
we are getting proper victories. And we've been on a bit of a hot streak, okay? So you got Roe v. Wade overturned one year ago. That's massive. No more child sacrifice, or at the very least, no more government-sanctioned constitutional rights child sacrifice. That's great. We're not we, we've moved past being the Aztecs now, okay? Fantastic. Really great. We're, 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 we're past the uh, Indian tribe in Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, okay? We're no, we're no longer sacrificing children. That's good. Supreme Court, that's a big W for us. Supreme Court over the last couple of days have been on a terror. They struck down affirmative racism, which is the institutionalized systemic racism that the left is always complaining and griping about. Why isn't the left marching in the streets and celebrating with us? Boy, I'm, come link arms with me, lib. Shouldn't we celebrate the end of systemic racism together? Man, interesting that. Then it also upheld religious freedom, saying effectively that you are not allowed uh, to force somebody uh, as your slave to violate their conscience. You have a right of conscience in this country. You cannot force, um, I don't know, Jewish people to violate the, the Sabbath or a, a Muslim to eat pork or a Christian to violate their rights or beliefs among, uh, you know, obviously among many other things that could you could warp and, and weaponize the legal system into doing a lot of other degenerate, awful stuff. No, no. We still have rights. Individuals have rights in this country, natural rights. And chief among them is the right to worship your God and do it in peace. And even before all of that is the right to free speech, because free speech means the right to free thought. Even if you think things that may seem crazy to other people. And that often happens, actually, for religious individuals. That's what faith is all about. So, ladies and gentlemen, I bring you our first story of the day, which is an unbelievable, triumphant ruling from a judge in Louisiana who went through and took his gavel and smashed it about the ears of the Biden regime. Just absolute, total dominance of the Biden regime, ladies and gentlemen, with this gavel. This judge has banned the federal government from manipulating or censoring you or I online, saying that it is not the government's role to determine what is true, which is so important. Go with, come, come with me here. I know we have a, 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 we have an audience that is, uh, are believers. Okay. We have an audience and I'm not trying to, to disassociate anyone else. You have, a, you, the point of all this is you have a right to believe whatever you believe, but there is, there are acts of faith that are required in all faith. Okay. And, and especially in the hedonistic, atheistic faiths of climate change, right? Or whatever gender ideology, sickness or poison uh, pill they wish to ingest today. It changes all the time. It's impossible to keep up with leftist religion. Unlike my religion, which is rock solid and, and carved into the, the very uh, oldest stones of the earth on this planet. Leftist religion is just ever changing. That's why their flags are ever changing, whatever. I mean, imagine, imagine what a awful goblin-like lifestyle for these lizard people. Uh, but nonetheless, faith is required. And some of the stories, some of the, some, some of the things that happen in faith are, are beyond belief, right? That's why we call them miracles. It's a miracle. Okay. Like imagine a world where the government comes through and censors uh, the resurrection story of Christ or the virgin birth or, or other miracles that other faiths hold, hold true. And the government says, well, uh, psh, there's no factual basis for this. We, we haven't been able to prove with DNA evidence or videotape the resurrection of Christ. So that didn't happen. What's the difference, quite frankly? The governor, the, the government itself is, is not the arbiter of truth. You have a right as an individual, a natural right to search and to find uh, the, 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 the evidence uh, oftentimes within your own soul, within your own traditions, uh, and, and the truth that presents itself to you uh, through a higher calling. 
as a religious person, it's hard for me to not say, the world just makes so much more sense when you lock in sort of Christendom and, and my faith and view things through the lens of faith. But, but that's just the way I want to view this issue, is that the government was building and had built an apparatus to determine what was true and what was false. And then they were weaponizing that apparatus behind the scenes in order to pressure private companies, the places where we all speak to each other in this modern era. It used to be maybe the town square uh, that you would holler from or printed pamphlets, newspapers in the Revolutionary War, a lot of Revolutionary War memes, Independence Day and so forth, leaflets, pamphlets, large newspapers. Either way, there was always mass communication. There's always been mass communication. It's just changed different forms as technology moves. And so the government was taking the forms of mass communication today, Facebook, YouTube, social media, Instagram, Twitter, and the government was inserting itself and was determining what was true and was leveraging its extraordinary power against the platforms of information dissemination. The government was leveraging its extraordinary mafia-like cartel, cartelized power in order to push narratives and agendas in order to determine truth itself. And so, and, and so instead of you, an individual, much like the freedom of faith is and religion is resigned to you as an individual and your path, which is totally different from someone else's path in your search for truth, the government is saying you don't have that right. We will be the determiners of that. And that, that, of course, is in and of itself tyranny. And so the incredible ruling here out of Louisiana, we're going to spend a little bit of time on it uh, because it is so unbelievably important. The way that our founding documents were written is you have a right to believe the end. You have a right to believe. You don't have a right to ultimate truth. You have a right to believe. You have a right to go find, to go find your own facts, to go establish the world around you in, an, in a framework that makes sense for you. And that's why we have states like Pennsylvania that was founded by the Dutch and Utah that was founded by the Mormons. I'm not arguing necessarily in favor of that. I'm not a Mormon and I'm not Amish. What, you know, that's not what I adhere to, but they have the, the, the God given right in this country to go off and to make societies and land as long as they are not inhibiting the rights of someone else or hurting someone else, they have that right. That's a beautiful thing. And it's an important thing because it also means that if you don't like where you live, you just go off and move somewhere else. You don't like the culture or the traditions of where you're at in this huge nation, this massive nation with 50 individual nations inside of it. You just go to Alaska, Hawaii, North Dakota. It, it really is 50 different countries, truly, like under one flag. And it's a wonderful thing that the lack of homogeny in this nation, you don't want a nation of NPCs and people like believing all the exact same things. And that is why it's so important what this judge did. Man, this judge came through and just demolished the Biden regime. Check this out. Orwellian Ministry of Truth busted. Judge bars Biden officials, agencies from contacting social media companies. Here we go. From Zero Hedge. In an order fittingly issued on Independence Day, a federal judge in Louisiana has forbidden multiple federal agencies from named officials from having any contact with social media companies in the Internet and intent to moderate content. The preliminary injunction, injunction arises from a suit filed in the state of Missouri and Louisiana, along with individuals that have included two leading critics of the COVID-19 lockdown regime, Harvard's Martin Nuldorf and Stanford's Jay Bhattacharya and Jim Hoft of the Gateway Pundit. If the allegations made by the plaintiff are true, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in the United States history, wrote U.S. District Judge Terry A. Dautry. The plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits in establishing that the government has used its power to silence the opposition. 
Boom. Shaka. Laka. The dozens of people in agencies bound by the injunction include President Biden, the White House Secretary Cringe Jean-Pierre, the Food and Drug Administration, Centers for Disease Control, the Treasury Department, State Department, U.S. Elections Assistance Commission, and the FBI, the entire Justice Department, the Department of Health and Human Services. Whoa! But Acharya Noldorf, who are among the originators of the Great Barrington Declaration that denounced the lockdown regime, have been victims of social media censorship. For example... The pair say that their censorship triggered statements, including the assertion that thinking everyone must be vaccinated is scientifically flawed, questioning the value of masks, stating that natural immunity is stronger than vaccine immunity. While the case is dominated by COVID-19 censorship, it also encompasses the censorship of the Justice Department's effort to suppress reporting about the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, my God. The injunction represents a majority validation that the accusations, the government officials colluding with social media platforms, suppressing free speech, and countering official narratives with restraints falling almost exclusively on the conservative viewpoints because we have a declaration of independence, because we have a constitution in this country. This is the government is not allowed to be the determinator of what is true, official truth. The evidence thus far, reading to you from the decision, depicts that an almost dystopian scenario, wrote Judge Daughtry in the 155-page ruling. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a period of perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a similar role to the Aurelian Ministry of Truth. The White House defendants made it very clear to social media companies that they wanted what they wanted suppressed and what they wanted amplified. Faced with an unrelenting pressure from the most powerful offices in the world, social media companies apparently complied. Daughtry quoted communications from administration officials on social media company to social media company employees saying that they represent examples of coercion exercised by the White House. Wow. Cannot stress the degree enough to which this needs to be resolved immediately. Please remove this account immediately, wrote members of the Biden regime to Facebook. Are you guys effing serious? I want an answer on what happened here and I want it today, wrote the White House to Facebook. This is a concern that is shared at the highest, I mean highest levels of the White House, wrote the White House to Facebook. Hey folks, I wanted to flag below a tweet wondering if we can get moving on a process and have it removed ASP. The judge noted that the badgering came from simultaneous threats with exchange to social media and regulation schemes. And those threats have extra credibility since they came as the Democrats controlled the White House and Congress. Man, what an unbelievable decision by this judge saying effectively that the bedrock principle, this is the final, uh, this is the final sort of ruling on the merits, which is an unbelievable decision to get a ruling on the merits on a, a case of this degree. It says I'll read you his last little part here that is so important as he ends his 155-page uh, uh, complete and total sh uh, shadow boxing of the Biden censorship regime. If there is a bedrock principle underlying the First Amendment, it is that the government may not prohibit the expression of an idea simply because society finds that idea itself offensive or disagreeable. Boom. And then he listed a long list of agencies that are barred from contacting social media platforms with the purpose of urging, urging, encouraging, pressuring, or uh, incentivizing the removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing to protected free speech. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Boom. Man. What a monster, monster rulings. Its implications will be widespread. We will cover it uh, in great detail. First off, the breaking news.
This temporary injunction could have major implications on free speech. It came down today on a federal holiday from a federal judge in Louisiana. Judge Terry Dotty blocked officials and agencies in the Biden administration from communicating with social media companies, think Facebook, Google, Twitter, about the topic of protected speech. Judge Dotty is based on a prior lawsuit brought by Republican attorneys general in Louisiana and Missouri. He ruled on that. Among other complaints, the attorneys general say the Biden administration overreached its authority during the height of the COVID pandemic when they tried to convince social media companies to address, in some case, take down posts on platforms that could contribute to vaccine hesitancy. Now, according to Judge Dottie, quote, the plaintiffs, meaning the attorneys general, have presented substantial evidence in support of their claims that they were the victims of a far reaching and widespread censorship campaign. This court finds that they are likely to succeed on the merits of their First Amendment free speech claim against the defendants, the defendants being the Biden administration. So we don't need, of course, a lawsuit to prove this. The lawsuit went through and discovered, obviously, through discovery, was able to find all these emails from Biden uh, regime goblins and lizard people. You better take the down. You better take the down. These people swear to uphold the Constitution. Article one, man. I mean, they are in total and complete violation of their constitutional duty. Impeach the whole lot of them. These people are not worthy of the America and the American tradition of which they were handed. And we'll prove that, ladies and gentlemen, when we talk about the amount of cocaine that was found in the White House this weekend while Hunter Biden was seen sniffing around. Oh, oh, baby, we'll get there. First, first, check this out. This is the original Twitter files thread from Matt Taibbi. This is the original thread. Of course, it went thermonuclear. Look at this, 126,000 retweets, 365,000 likes. Going through and detailing that the FBI was actually the ones running. Oh, you thought Jack Dorsey was running Twitter? Oh, no, 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 no. The FBI was running Twitter as a shell company in order to suppress and in order to crush free speech. The federal agencies were so febile and so sensitive to narrative control that they would go after like anonymous accounts. Like they'd go after anons. They'd go after meme accounts. They just recently put a memer in prison for making a meme they didn't like. This kind of stuff is so cretinous and so evil. And it sort of creates a window into the creep of the bureaucrat. Somebody lived in Washington, D.C. for 15 years. I've seen this. These individuals who staff these agencies in Washington, D.C.'s in Washington, D.C., these are the people who were shoved into lockers as kids. These are not the winners that you grew up with. These are not the uh, people that went off and started successful businesses, successful companies, went off and did something with their lives. These are the failures. If you go to the bureaucracy in D.C., these are the losers. All right. And they're perpetually looking for ways that they can punish the winners, ways that they can. Uh, assault the people who uh, hurt them and using the very dangerous hammer of government, wielding the hammer of censorship, of bureaucratic uh, nightmare processes, of IRS audits, um, of appropriations over your head in order to get their intended result. Why do you think like the highest level of degeneracy is found in our federal government? Whenever there's some guy that needs to be put on leave for the incredible amount of porn that they had on their work computer, it's always a federal government employee. Whenever there's some like freak uh, in the like some freak that's like living out their their fantasies um, in public, it's always someone employed by the Department of Defense. Like like proudly deployed by the Department of Defense. These people are the losers. That's why they are drawn to the government. They're not drawn to actual achievement in the private sector. They wouldn't be able to cut it because we've defeated them in the private sector. They must go to the public sector, be protected by their little unions, and then make life living hell for the rest of us. And that is what they did to Twitter. You see, none of these censorous goblins inside of the FBI, none of these people would ever be able to get a job straight away at Twitter Even in Twitter 1.0, you have to have some small level of competency 
or capacity to work there. Under Elon, you really have to be like a you you have to be like a skull crusher. You have to win. These people can't win, so they need to resort to threats and bullying. And the like like Marxists always do, the usage of force in order to compel behavior. And that is what they did with Twitter. We encourage you to go back through and read about the censorship industrial complex that the government created. But it is egregious, the, the smallness and the thinness of skin that these agents had in their censorous behavior towards individuals online. And why does this matter so much to us? Why am I spending so much time on this? Because this is our business model. Because we were victims of this. And every conservative creator that you know and like and subscribe to and care about were victims of this. The goal was to remove us from the internet because we're better at this than them. So I get a little keyed up, but like we, we actually are because our beliefs resonate with a much larger group of people because we are the majority in this nation. We're better at creating organic audiences like this one. We're do, we do the show for you. We love this community and we're better at it. We're harder working. We have a truth that resonates with all people. And they hate that we are better at the internet than them. They, they seemingly run the internet, right? From all these leftist, left-wing, radical social media companies, they feel like they run the internet and own the internet, yet we are the ones who gain massive audience on the internet. Why is that exactly? Where's where's left wing Benny? Show me. I want to I'll fight them in the octagon like Elon and Zuck. I challenge them to a duel. There really isn't one. They're not much like talk radio, like they tried to censor Rush for so many years or like they try and censor Fox and then Fox, of course, censored themselves and their best pundit talent. They hate that we are better at mass communication than them because their ideas are trash and they're trash people and they're frauds and they're hideous and they're ugly and they're not the kind of people you want to hang out with at a cocktail party. Would you actually see Rachel Maddow and want to go hang out with her? Like if you were at a party with Joy Reid or, like, or, or Hakeem Jeffries, would, they, would those be the people you want to like hang out with or Greta Thunberg? Dude, if you walked in to like a 4th of July barbecue and Greta Thunberg was standing there with her like twisted little expression, snarling, looking at somebody with a barbecue, like some charcoals, charcoal briquettes on fire over a barbecue and some red meat. And she's just staring at it and she's so angry. How dare you? Would you want to go hang out with that person? Of course not. Of course you wouldn't. They're miserable. We're better at attracting audiences. We're better at creating content. We have create creativity and, ha and joy that springs eternal because we live satisfying whole, like moral lives. And so they just hate this. And so what do they do when they can't compete with us, even though they have trillions of dollars and in investments and in hedge funds and CNN and MSNBC and NBC and CBS, when they can't compete with us, they have to try and crush us strangle, suffocate me from reaching you. That, and that's what they do. That's what they're obsessed with. So they're losing their minds over this ruling. You can see that here from the reaction. Here's the New York Times reaction. Uh, the New York Times, which shouldn't you be in the service? Dude, you're in the First Amendment too. Freedom of the press is in the First Amendment too. You dumbasses. Shouldn't you be in the service of protecting your own industry? Nope, nope. Classic Marxist move here. Dude, nothing but power for these people. They don't care. They love the censorship. Breaking news, a judge has limited the Biden administration's officials from contacting social media site, a ruling that could curtail efforts to fight disinformation. Define disinformation. I'm waiting. Define disinformation. Define it. What do you mean disinformation? Do you mean something that's false? Like the sun is cold, the sun is a cold ice ball in the space. Well, guess what? You have a right to believe that. You have every right to believe that. There is nothing wrong with you believing that. It is empirically false. 
It's not true. It's not the way that God designed the universe. But I have no right as an American. There is no, in fact, there is a law that is there to limit me from ever trying to harm you for believing that the sun is an ice ball at the center of the universe. In fact, I am restrained by law from stopping you from believing that. So is that disinformation? What do you mean disinformation? What do you talk? What like what 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 is what is that defined as? Well, I'll tell you what it's defined as. I'll tell you why the New York Times puts up headlines like this, because disinformation is defined as narratives that we find inconvenient for the power structures that we wish to enforce upon you, the muzzle we wish to put in your mouth, the ball gag, the rubber ball and gag and gimp suit we wish to zip you up into. That is what this is about. That is what the term disinformation means. Disinformation means information that may well be true and may well be false, but is inconvenient to our power structures. So when you see the term disinformation, you know automatically Marxist. Marxist. Let's check in on uh, the Washington Post here. What does the Washington Post have to say? Let's see. Washington Post is even better. Oh, man. A federal judge on Tuesday blocked the Biden administration agencies and offices from meeting and communicating with social media companies in an extraordinary injunction in an ongoing case that could have profound effects on the First Amendment. Oh, you mean by upholding the First Amendment? The subtext is absolutely unbelievable here. The Trump appointed judges, look at the subtext here. Trump appointed judges move could upend years of efforts to enhance coordination between the government and social media companies. Look at them screaming from the rat, screaming. They are like uh, the National Socialists at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. When they open up the Ark, right? And the, the, the ghosts come out. They're screaming, their faces melting. They could upend years of effort. Oh, so this has been going on for years. Got it coordination. Is that what you want? Coordination between your government and the censorous regimes inside of social media? My God. I mean, they 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 give they give away the agenda openly on the airwaves. These are the people. This is why Donald Trump says the media is the enemy enemy of the people. But that's OK. I mean, quite frankly, we are the media now. OK, so sit down, child. Sit down, child. Who wrote, who wrote this wretched piece? Kat Zazarski? Kat Zazarski of the Washington Post? Sit down, child. We're the media. We're better at attracting an audience. We're better at informing our audience. We are not bought and paid for by the CIA, the FBI, and the various unnamed alphabet agencies that wish to psyop the American people. We are for the American people. We are the majority, and we give our audience truth every single day. It is wild to me that the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, all on cue, ding, all on cue, said the exact same thing, screamed at the top of their lungs over this ruling protecting free speech. Shows you exactly what this was about. This was about killing their competition, okay? So I think that actually even the, these papers are in favor of free speech it's, 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 on, on the basis of they wouldn't want someone like Donald Trump coming in and saying you're not allowed to print that. OK, they know that it'll swing, that 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 axe has two blades. They're both sharp and it'll swing both ways. What this is actually about is the killing their competition because we are their competition. Every person that subscribes to the Benny Brigade, every person that comes and watches our show is going to slowly but surely start tuning them out. And they know that their profits are dwindling. They're, they're going out of business in mass. And these people are panicking because they want the regime to kill their competition. That's what it's all about, really. Hmm. Interesting this. You can hear it in the panic and the cracking voices of CNN as they weep over this decision. Watch. Calling the present case, quote, arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in the United States history, Ellie. Yeah, it, it's a dramatic uh, decision by this judge. If you read through it, he's citing to literature and George Washington and Ben Franklin. Here's what really is astonishing to me. This 
is a conservative ideology that clearly comes through in this decision. It's a conservative political ideology, right? We saw some of the quotes questioning vaccines, questioning masks, conservative talking points. But the ruling itself is the opposite of judicial conservatism. This is one of the most aggressive, far-reaching rulings you'll ever see. What this judge is purporting to do is to micromanage, really, the day-to-day interactions between essentially the entire executive branch, all these agencies that are listed as defendants, and the leading social media companies. And in the actual temporary injunction, the judge basically says, you're not allowed, administration, to talk to these social media companies about any protected free speech except for cybersecurity threats, national security threats, criminal threats. But where's the line? Who's going to police this? There should be an agency to police this. And there is actually. It's called the Supreme Court. I dare you, Biden administration, I dare you to challenge this ruling. I dare you. Do it. I want you to. Send it to Clarence Thomas. I want you to challenge this ruling. Because what happens here is if they wish to challenge it, they would have to go to the Supreme Court and they know that that is where all hope goes to die. Abandon all hope ye who enter here. Clarence Thomas laughing from on high. (laughs) Stroking his golden gavel, ready to just smash about these censorous lizard people. Ladies and gentlemen, I I mean, like, it's so obvious to those who've actually seen inside of the beast how it works. Dan, Dan, uh, uh, John Ratcliffe was the director of national intelligence for Donald Trump. And he had this to say in reaction to the ruling. I thought it was very, very interesting, his insights here. Uh, he says that this has been going on for a very long time. This is a build that's been happening for a very long time in the shadows And of course, what happened was Donald Trump and his presidency brought, like many beasts, out from the shadows uh, this evil regime. And now it's been crushed. It's a beautiful thing. Watch. And yet um, Americans' ability to engage in honest debate about it was was suppressed. And so you have these agencies um, with social media working to suppress the truth and amplify lies. And with regard to the issue of, you know, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop and an election interference on that front, as you recall, Bill and Dana, you know, on October uh, 18th of 2020, I came out as the director of national intelligence and said, uh, this is not Russian disinformation. We have no intelligence of that. That was based in part on the fact of my conversations with uh, the Department of Justice and the FBI, with Bill Barr, with uh, Director Ray, that the FBI had that laptop and that it had been um, verified and was being used as part of what was described as a money laundering investigation. And yet at that very same moment, you we, we learned through uh, the Twitter files that there were FBI agents at that very moment contradicting that with social media, uh, you know, uh, executives to, again, suppress the truth and amplify a lie about that, that ultimately, you know, could be characterized as a domestic disinformation campaign before a presidential election. Yes, that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, they utilized this apparatus that they had built in order to silence all dissent of a true story in order to get Joe Biden elected. The Hunter Biden laptop story. It was done in plain sight. It doesn't, it's not anything malevolent happening behind the scenes. They they engaged this apparatus and pushed the red button in order to silence that story. They used all of the tentacles and all of the razor blade arms of this Edward Scissor's hands got like monster that they had built in order to stop all dissemination of this story. Zuckerberg, there's like a crazy clip of Zuckerberg himself saying that the FBI came to us and forced us to censor this. And it was one of the first times, it was before Elon bought Twitter, it was one of the first times that everyone was like, holy crap, these these people are lunatics. They're lunatics. And all you need to do to like actually, to actually properly understand like how extreme, how, how much your free speech is a threat to them is you just have to ask them about free speech, about the platforms, right? So, for instance, ask Joe Biden about Facebook. What does he have to say? What's your message to platforms like Facebook? They're killing people. I mean, it really, look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And, that, and, they're, and they're killing people. Oh, okay. Facebook is killing people. 
All right. So that is that is what the resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has to say about Facebook. What about when they were caught red handed? Flagging posts, Jen Psaki. Oh, man, we miss Chucky. We miss her. We miss Chucky. We didn't know how good we had it when we had Chucky. We had to trade Chucky, uh, Peppermint Patty. What do you prefer, Chucky or Peppermint Patty for Jen Psaki? We had to trade her for cringe Jean-Pierre in the revolving door between uh, the Biden liars and MSNBC. We had to trade him. Who do you prefer? Chucky, Peppermint Patty. Was there another one, Royce? We had another nickname for her. I can't remember. What was it? Anyway, remember when she was up at that dais every single day, lying to us, circling back? One time she was caught red-handed saying, yeah, yeah, we totally go to Facebook and we flag problematic posts. And remember, they never say these are lies. It's just inconvenient for their narratives. Watch. Uh, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. Hmm. Wow. We're helping getting trusted content out there. Hmm. Does that, does that, does that help? Does that help you sleep well at night? That Dr. Fauci and Joe Biden, the content they trust is the only one that's allowed to hit your newsfeed. Dr. Fauci, in fact, was approached about Elon Musk, the hero of the Republic, buying Twitter and revealing that Dr. Fauci should go to prison. My pronouns are prosecute Fauci because Dr. Fauci acted hand in glove with the censorship regime in order to stop people from criticizing him, which is what all of tyrants always do. He was asked about this on live television. Uh, he squirmed like a rat caught in a trap. And I, I didn't give you the nuclear cringe alert on Jen Psaki. I don't know what I was thinking. It's a fast-moving show. Here's your nuclear cringe of the day. I give you, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Fauci trying to answer a question. You know, no less than Elon Musk has said he has released the so-called Fauci files and talking about uh, how the government and Twitter, for example, work closely to share message uh, messages on on how you particularly were dealing or telling the public about the virus. He went on to say my pronouns are uh, hashtag Fauci. Um, and I, I'm just wondering what you made of the, of the world's richest man or second richest now going after you. I have no idea what he's talking about, Neil. I wish I did. I mean, I, I just I'm clueless about what he's referring to. He's talking about the Fauci files was supposed to come out last week. We now at the end of this week, I, I just don't understand what he's doing, and I and I don't even think I should be addressing it. Absolutely nothing to hide at all. I'll be able to defend, defend everything that I've done. So a lot of people are spouting out a lot of things about me and Twitter. I don't have a Twitter account. I've never had a Twitter account. I don't intend on having a Twitter account, and I've had nothing to do with Twitter. Mm, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm just the man who paid for the Chinese scientist to make COVID-19. I did it with your tax dollars. I lied about it every step of the way. I asked them to make it. And then I went, oh, whoopsie. Whoopsie duty. Time to go teach at Georgetown now. This man deserves the Hague. He does. If there was ever a Nuremberg trial uh, that needs to happen in our modern era, it's for the COVID criminals like Dr. Fauci. Will it happen? I'm not sure. But there's one man, one man in our United States Senate, formerly uh, attorney general of the great state of Missouri, who has led 
to this triumphant day, this incredible ruling, the deposition of Dr. Fauci. And that man joins us now. His name is Senator Eric Schmidt. Congratulations, Senator, the one man who emerged from the darkness through the beautiful St. Louis Arch and into the sunlight. Now, sir, you have delivered for us, I think, arguably the most important ruling uh, this side of the overturning of Roe v. Wade the protection of religious liberty. It's all actually knitted together in this ruling. And it's because of the work that you did along with the state of Louisiana. And we say to you, sir, thanks. Hey, thanks a lot. Well, it's interesting because uh, when I was AG, we led the student loan uh, debt forgiveness scam lawsuit that was decided late last week. So I was, you know, we were riding high from that big win for taxpayers and the rule of law. And then on the 4th of July, which by the way, should, that should not be lost on anybody, that this ruling came on the day that we celebrate independence and freedom and our ability to express ourselves and speak our minds, which is pretty unique in the history of the world. And certainly, and even today, uh, around the world, the ability for Americans to, to say what they want to say is a sacred right. It's a God-given right. And government's role, as you know, is to protect that right, not to infringe on it. And that's what this ruling is all about. I mean, this injunction, I mean, uh, this is the most important free speech case in a generation, at least. Yes. Um, and it's really interesting, Benny, in the in the court's ruling, the judge, I mean, this is a federal judge. This is not me saying it. That essentially the facts here present the most chilling censorship in the history of the country. Um, that you have this Orwellian ministry of truth that was stood up by the Biden administration to censor Americans. And you were, I was listening, you were playing some of the, the quotes from Jen Psaki. I mean, they were openly saying, look, we're flagging this stuff for Facebook. But when we filed the lawsuit and got into discovery to see the documents and the emails and all of the sort of information, the direct messages, it's unbelievable. And you have, you know, every agency under the sun essentially weaponized to go do this and suppress speech of, of Americans. And this uh, this win yesterday is a huge win for free speech and a big blow to censorship. So can you please talk us through? I mean, I, I, obviously, you've been on the program. For those who haven't been following, uh, uh, Senator Schmidt now was attorney general in the state of mm -hmm. Missouri, which brought this lawsuit along with the state of Louisiana. And so Eric Schmidt is possibly the number one person who is responsible for this incredible ruling that will allow us to reach you. The way that it's possible to even do this show and to build these audiences is because of rulings like this and you just protected us. And so we, again, we started off by saying thank you. I'd like to go into the analysis of sure. this 155 page uh, ruling. We've read big portions of it for the audience to start off the show. It's unbelievable. I've never seen a federal judge write like this. It's so based. Uh, please, sir, your takeaways. Yeah, that's right. That's a great way to put it. I mean, look, when we filed it, um, you know, there's a couple of big things that we knew going in and we were able to show it through the discovery that was presented. I mean, uh, and, you know, as you mentioned, I had the opportunity to take the deposition of, of Anthony Fauci last November. It was right after the election, before I got sworn in. We took the deposition. It was up at NIH. And that was unbelievable. I mean, I, you know, not many people have been in that proximity to Lord Fauci. And um, he, he literally, I mean, this is not a joke. I mean, this sounds like a joke, but it's true. Halfway through the deposition, the court reporter sneezed. And he asked her if she had a respiratory virus, if she put a mask on. I mean, this is the guy, like, this is, you know, this is him. This is the guy that was in charge of all of this, of course. And this was November of 2022. This is not March of 2020. Um, and this guy was, you know, the uh, he was the science, as he proclaimed. And so... What we saw, there's, a, I think, a couple big examples that were highlighted in the lawsuit. We were able to establish evidence through um, written communications and other testimony. Um, the the uh, the Wuhan, the lab leak theory, right? This is now, by the way, these, same, these intelligence agencies even agree that this is now the most likely place that it came from. But you got to go back in time now. In the beginning of 2020, essentially in 2024, I'm sure you've talked about this, or in 2014, the, the government of the United States said, hey, this gain-of-function research is really dangerous. We're going to get out of this sort of business of doing this because you're supercharging viruses 
to find um, a, a vaccine for them, right? So it's really good for some people, but for most people on the planet, you're probably never gonna see those viruses in the first place. So ethically, it's a really dangerous process. So essentially, that stuff gets outsourced to China, where they had very low standards. Fauci figures out a way to kind of launder the money through these you know, eco-health alliance and these nonprofits to fund the Wuhan lab, okay? So when the news starts to come out in late 2019 and early 2020, Fauci, uh, clearly understands that he's going to be put, you know, to blame for this. So there's a series of things we go through in the deposition that throw in the lawsuit where essentially a cover-up begins. And anybody who espoused the theory, and when I was AG, we also sued China um, for for unleashing the coronavirus on the world too. So we were very aggressive on this stuff. But what came out is he 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 colludes with with his cabal of quote unquote experts and brings the hammer down on any anybody that wants to sort of you know, talk about this being uh, the origins of COVID being in the Wuhan lab. And that's really problematic. So you got that piece. You've got the Hunter Biden laptop piece. So in 2019, the FBI has, in, in, in the end of 2019, they have the laptop. They know it's real. In this lawsuit, we took the deposition of Elvis Chan, the FBI agent, who was having monthly then weekly meetings with senior social media executives saying, look out for Russian hack and leak operations. And in an affidavit from a Twitter executive said the Hunter Biden laptop was specifically mentioned. So here you have, in, in, you know, in front of the 2020 election, the FBI doing the, the dirty work of trying to suppress this story. You've got that. You've got efficacy of masks. You've got transmissibility of COVID. All this stuff was in this lawsuit of this was a vast censorship enterprise. And the government decided that only their approved narratives were going to make their way through and they were going to pressure and collude with these big tech companies to make sure that their narrative was the only one that was seen. And so this lawsuit to me, um, I think it's it's very important because, the, you know, the, the First Amendment is our pressure release valve, Benny. You, for you to be able to have this show, your listeners listen in or they can choose what they want to hear, what they want to listen, what they want to believe. That's America. When you have a government that decides that the American people can only hear what they think is true or in labeling everything else as misinformation or disinformation, we ought to be very concerned about that. And so this lawsuit, like I said, is a big win uh, for that principle. And we provided concrete examples of how the censorship was happening. This was the government uh, working with these big tech giants to suppress speech. You don't get to, the government certainly doesn't get to do it and they don't get to outsource that censorship either. So you've won on the merits, and that is pretty unbelievable. The government's uh, next step here would be to then appeal to the Supreme Court. I think that that is where all hope goes to die. Uh, is that correct? Well, it'll it'll eventually probably get there. They have the ability, and they probably will, um, appeal to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, and th they will decide this. There'll be a panel assigned uh, to review the, the, the district court's decision. Um, there can be an in banc, meaning it's beyond just the three. It's a full um, uh, complement of all the, the the appellate judges in that circuit. But ultimately, this case is going to make it to the Supreme Court and bring it on. I think that's where this issue ought to be decided. And I think that the Biden administration getting slapped down again for this censorship enterprise is very important. And essentially what this injunction says right now, Benny, is that these agencies, I mean, this is the White House. These are White House officials. This is the CDC. This is the FBI. This is the Homeland Security. This is health. All of them are now prevented from communicating with these social media giants and any kind of, you know, censorship effort. That's a big win. We shouldn't have ever had to get here. But the fact that it's been exposed, we have this emphatic ruling on the 4th of July, I think sends a powerful signal. And I think that the message here is that we have to be, um, you know, aggressive in pushing back against this kind of censorship. Um, the First Amendment, there's a reason why it's the First Amendment. We know how important it is for people to be able to speak their minds. And look, if you don't believe something or you think something's false, you're supposed to combat that with more speech, right? Mm -hmm. Not the government suppressing speech and deplatforming people. Um, it's a very dangerous road to go down. And so I'm sure this will play itself all the way out to the Supreme Court. Um, but, you know, who knows? But that might take a little while. But that's why this ruling yesterday is very important, because it sends a strong signal and prohibits that kind of communication. And it stops it dead right now. Right. I mean, that rule yep. is in effect. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, now that I'm in the Senate, um, not that anybody watches anybody's first speech on the Senate floor, but my first speech on the Senate floor talked about how great this country is. 
in that Franklin's warning when he walked out of the Constitutional Convention was, you got a republic if you can keep it. And the mm -hmm. two biggest threats right now are the supercharged administrative state and attacks on free speech. So for me, in the Senate now, I mean, we're going to be holding these folks accountable. There's an oversight role to make sure they're complying with the order. I mean, this is sort of core reasons why you run for office for me. Yes. And uh, I yes. care deeply about it. And we're not going to slow down. Yeah, it'd be amazing with a Republican-led House and Republican-led Senate to actually pass a law along these grounds and then force, you know, sh shove it to, you know, to just shove it directly down their throats, right? To pass a law. And I, I think that's what's so interesting about this. And I guess in my final point, I'd like to have your thoughts on it, but doesn't this protect the left? Because, you know, this tool could be used against you, right? Like, you, you absolutely could flip it around and say, yeah, we're going to force you to say that the virus came from China and was released as a bioweapon. You must say that. You must amplify that because well, that is what we believe. It, it seems as though you're protecting you're protecting all in this. Yeah. And that's really that's really valuable. And that's fundamentally American. It is. And, and what's amazing to me, I'm so I'm Gen X, I'm 47. I just turned 48 last week. I got to get used to saying 48. Um, Congratulations. Happy birthday. When I grew up. Yeah. When I grew up, which, by the way, is young in the Senate. I don't I don't feel so young. <laughs> so young in some most days. But uh, but um, when I was growing up, I mean, liberals believed in the First Amendment and free speech. Yes. I think what's so amazing yes. to me and you look at the coverage of this story yesterday from The Washington Post and from The New York Times, the, essentially their headlines are ruling may prevent government from dispelling misinformation right like here's the deal the government's job is is not to police what we say but you've yes. got now this whole mainstream media enterprise that's parroting messaging from the current administration like woodward and bernstein are dead like you know like this is we're we're like past all of this idea that the press ironically that lives and dies by their protections of the first amendment don't care very much about the First Amendment anymore. And I think that's that's really troubling. So, yeah, I'm for, look, people say bad things about me all the time. That's part of the deal, right? When you run for, that's part of the deal. I can handle it. And you combat that with, well, actually, you're wrong because. And here's why we should persuade people to do this. I don't think conservatives at all are afraid of these debates. What you see now from the modern left is, that narrowing of the bandwidth of what's acceptable because they know if they control language and they control speech, that's power and control, right? That's power. And uh, I think that's why there's this real pushback against political correctness in general. There's a real pushback now in this kind of censorship enterprise. And so, like I said, this is a very important fight and, uh, and I'm in it. Yeah, you certainly, you certainly are. I mean, Wow, you've been a friend of the show. We obviously always point people your direction. Here is uh, the Twitter account of the great Senator Eric Schmidt. You got to go hop on over, follow this man. 100, 100, uh, 112,000 followers, man. Let's get that up to 500. That 1 million. Let's go, baby. He's a real Love fighter. Uh, any Independence Day message? Uh, now it's the 5th of July. This is American Pride Month. Any message for the people? Listen, this is the greatest country in the history of the world. It's worth fighting for. And uh, I think as conservatives, we understand what this country is all about. And we got to pass that on. Look, no country can survive teaching their kids to despise their own country. And you see that so much from the yes. left. And I think we need to be these ambassadors of freedom and of liberty. And we do that. Not only is it the right thing to do, we're going to win elections and win the day. So uh, I'm encouraged. This ruling, I think, again, coming out on the 4th is, is uh, I think, a nice little bow on uh, a very important Independence Day present. That's right. I mean, I, like the difference is this. I talked to I talked to so many people on our side and I talked to a lot of libs, too. I don't want to censor a single lib. There's not a single lib out there. I want to stop talking. That provides us. Con I do not want AOC to stop talking. Keep talking. Give her her yeah. own show, please. Like it helps right. me. I, I, <laughs> last thing I would ever want to do is censor you. Like keep going. I want That's you right. to keep keep blabbing your mouth. Cringe Jean-Pierre, keep giving press conferences. It helps me. It helps me yeah. expose who you actually are. So it, it really is, it's like, a more, it's like a moral question and you really hit the nail on the head here. Sir, thank you for your fight. Appreciate what you do every day and uh, we'll stay in touch. Senator. Take care.
the great senator from the show me state of Missouri, Eric Schmidt. And that guy is clocking and locking. This guy got, guy's got a lot of energy. I think it's because, I think it's because that man has uh, goodness in his heart and soul. He has a family. He has, uh, you know, vested interest in keeping this country great. Um, not because he's on cocaine. Now, the only reason I would say that is certainly not because that's what I think, but because there are some people who are purely and totally powered by cocaine. And we now know that because at the White House, they're discovering little dime bags of cocaine all over the place. Check this out. White House cocaine mystery deepens as Secret Service says that the cocaine that they found was in the West Wing. Huh? Dude, check this out. Joe and Hunter's 4th of July celebrations clouded in controversies as agents try and track down who was responsible for drugs. Yo! So you have the cocaine bag that was found at the White House. This may come as news to you. We were we took the day off for our show yesterday to let everyone have a wonderful 4th of July. But the hot damn, this story broke. Cocaine found at White House inside the West Wing. Inside of the Oval Office? Was it in the Oval Office? Dude, check out who was at the balcony of the Oval Office, who was in the balcony of the West Wing in the White House. Uh, this was not the Oval Office, actually, but this is the, the balcony of the private residence there at the White House. Who that? Who is that? Who's that? Oh, I recognize that individual. This guy who should have an ankle monitor and not be allowed within a thousand feet of any school or child. Somehow up there, touching, sniffing kids. Apple don't fall far from the tree. I wonder whose Coke it was that they found in a dime bag at the White House. CNN saying that it was located in an area that was very private to just the president and his closest staff, watch. Instances. Now, what we've since learned, according to two sources familiar with the matter, is that that powdery substance tested positive for cocaine. Now, that positive test came back in a field test, which can sometimes be uh, not totally conclusive. So the substance was sent out for additional testing. We haven't yet gotten the results of that. One source describing it as a white powdery substance that was found in a Ziploc bag. Now, the Secret Service's spokesman, Anthony Guglielmi, he says that this powdery substance was found uh, in a work area inside the West Wing of the the White House, where, of course, White House staffers would have access to that area. Hunter Biden left his laptop with all of his family's secrets and crimes at a laptop repair shop. Do you think he's not capable of leaving a little dime bag at the White House? This is a deeply, deeply broken man. Luckily, uh, we have footage of Hunter Biden uh, saying that he not only leaves dime bags of coke around, but he's been combing the carpets for Parmesan, remember this one? Old crack cocaine. I probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone, <laughs> anyone that you know, I'm sure, Tracy. <laughs> what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? What are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? Like, there's clearly not footage of Hunter Biden weighing his bags of crack. No, that don't exist. Two point. Zero seven. Okay, so it's easy for us to, of course, take these videos from Hunter's laptop. It's easy for us to blow this up into something bigger than it is. So why don't you, as as always on this show, we will present to you all of the evidence. Why don't you have a listen into the actual dispatch call, the, the cops dispatch call from the White House about what was inside of the white powdery substance they found. We have a yellow bar stating cocaine. Hydrochloride, gas number 53-21. Hmm, okay, got it, all right. Well, lucky for us, we have the dispatch calls, and also lucky for us, one of my former colleagues, Rob Schmidt, who has a great show on Newsmax, had an absolutely savage line on all of this. We thought it'd be a good way to end the show. Rob, take it away. There's no way of knowing how it got there or whose it is. But it appears that cocaine has been found at the White House. And it wouldn't be a thumping July 4th weekend without Hunter Biden ripping lines off of a bust of Teddy Roosevelt. 
A mysterious white powder was discovered in the West Wing on Sunday, prompting a hazardous materials call to the fire department. Ooh, Whew. hot damn. Hot night at the White House. Wouldn't be a thumping party without Hunter ripping lines off a bust of Teddy Roosevelt. Good for you, Rob. Go watch Newsmax. Fantastic network. I used to work there. I wanted to take some time and focus on this audience, but I have nothing but love for my former colleagues at Newsmax. Ladies and gentlemen, I got nothing but love for you. I got nothing but joy in my heart. As we march forward, the Benny Brigade, we will bring you the real news. We will be able to do that now, thank God, without censorship. Thanks to Eric Schmidt and the people in the state of Louisiana who are fighting. We actually have the contact information for the attorney general in Louisiana. We'll bring him on. If he's available this week, we'll bring him on as well to talk about this. Such an important ruling, such an important moment. Speaking truth is what we do on this show. We thank you for supporting us. We are deeply appreciative. Yesterday, I was, again, we spent all this time with my family, and it was just like I was just deeply and profoundly moved by what we've been able to build here. And we're just getting started. And it's through your support and obviously it's through the providence of a, uh, a higher power. That's why we end every single show with a Bible verse. Today's Bible verse from 1 Peter. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Do you feel humbled a little bit? Yeah. Things haven't gone super great. They're, I mean, they're probably fixing to blow up a nuclear power plant in Ukraine. Yay! Get ready for that one. I can see that a mile away. Ladies and gentlemen, things are going to get crazy. There's going to be psyops everywhere. There's going to be bad stuff happening. Uh, these, th th this th these people are fanatics. Th this is These people are radicals. They are hardened Marxists uh, that are trying to control you. And there's going to be times of humility. We're, gonna, we're, we're going to have to power through some bad news cycles. But God promises that he will exalt us as we head through the fire. The only way out is through. And we know that God's promise is real, and he keeps those promises. So, ladies and gentlemen, our promise to you is that we will stay based, and we thank you for watching. It's your boy, Benny. See ya.